You're listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. Each week, we take a single episode of a science fiction TV series or movie and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Simon. And tonight we're looking at the 2022 Doctor Who Easter special, Legend of the Sea Devils. Episode synopsis. The year is 1807 and the infamous pirate, Zenny Sao, is assaulting a statue of a sea devil over the protestations of one of the locals. The statue cracks and out pops a sea devil, killing the local. The doctor and the gang arrive, possibly searching for the lost 16th century Portuguese ship, the Fleur de Lima, or if not, Dan is remarkably well-versed on the subject. Nonetheless, they are in the wrong place at the wrong time, sort of. They meet Zeni Sao, a.k.a. Madame Ching, and the Sea Devil with a sword. The Sea Devil has killed mostly everyone in town and quickly escapes the doctor's simplistic trap, escaping with a mighty hop and a leap onto a flying 16th century Portuguese ship. Madame Ching leaves. She got what she was looking for, the location of the wreck of the Flor de la Mar. Dan wanders off, following the son of the slain local, as they try to board Ching's ship. The task seems unusually easy because the vessel operates on complete COVID restrictions and there's no crew whatsoever. Unconcerned about Dan, the Doctor and Yaz also wander off, although they wander off in the TARDIS, heading back two centuries to 1511, trying to locate the wreck of the Fleur de la Mar. They witness the dread pirate Ji-hun throwing his crew overboard and pledging his loyalty to the sea devil, only to be betrayed by it. Knowing where the ship was scuttled, they head back to 1807, at the bottom of the sea, to find it before Madame Ching. It's not there, but the TARDIS is swallowed by the Hua Sheng, an improbable sea beastie controlled by the sea devils. On Madame Ching's ship, Dan and the boy are rapidly captured because they're rubbish at hiding. The boy wants to kill the pirate. The pirate wants to get the treasure of the Fleur de la Mar to pay ransom to get her sons and crew back. Dan and the boy agree to crew her ship rather than be killed. Trapped in the Sea Devil's underwater base, the doctor tries to bluff that she has the keystone, which is a thingy that the Sea Devil needs to flip the poles, melt the ice caps, and make the world all wet and wonderful again. The Sea Devil has also inexplicably kept Ji-hun alive for the last two centuries, and converted the Fleur de la Mar into his flying ship. Of course, says the doctor, having just apparently come out of having a lobotomy and not realized that was the ship they were looking for. They rescue Ji-hun and escape to Madame Ching's ship. There's some pirate fighting on the high seas. Dan slaughters multiple sea devils without a moment's hesitation or introspection. The doctor rigs up a thingy to trap the sea devils in a bubble, but it requires a sacrifice to make it work. Ji-hun stays behind to hold the wires together, and they all escape. Back in the 21st century, Dan calls Di. She wants to get together, no doubt just before she reveals that she is a world-threatening menace intent on killing the doctor or something. The doctor dumps Yaz hard with the old chestnut. It's not you, it's me. But hey, we can keep on having fun, right? The end. All right. Uh, how soon till we can talk about the trailer? Uh, no, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> So, <laughs> Legend of the Sea Devils, what, what did you think? Well, we had to watch 47 minutes of this before we got to watch the trailer. Um, yeah, Legend of the Sea Devils. I, I, just a you know, warning for listeners, there will be, during the course of this episode, uh, some totally contradictory statements from I thought, you, I thought you were going to say swearing. I've been thinking about if I'm going to bleep myself or whether I'm going to try to censor myself in advance, but okay. <laughs> well, I, I, that, well, you've got to do the bleeping, so I think it's fair, yeah. fair for you to do some swearing, but it, it would be, be rude of me um, to give you the work. <laughs> uh, so I will, for that reason, I will restrain. No, I, uh, this, is, this is an odd one. Um, I didn't like it. And the problem I have with it is that it just felt like plot, 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 plot. And then I thought about the plot and I thought, I don't think there's anything wrong with this plot. You know, it's a reasonable plot. And the problem is all there in the realisation of it. it. The pacing is 
extremely rushed. It's very short for a special. Um, mm-hmm. And it just seems to lurch from, from one piece of plot to the next without mm-hmm. there being any real kind of chance for there to be any characterization um with mm. you know with the with the kind of guest cast and i wondered about that and i thought oh yeah maybe it's maybe this is a deliberate thing the pacing has to be there for them to avoid having the conversation between the doctor and yaz except they didn't avoid having the conversation between the doctor and yaz so maybe that wasn't it maybe that's just the maybe that's they feel like they they need to keep things rattling along to keep the the audience entertained but i i'm not i don't, i don't know i i felt like we could have done with a bit more introduction to these characters a bit more setting the scene and actually motivating the kind of the the twists and the sudden shifts in time and place uh-huh i i feel like there were scenes that are just completely cut out of this it just yes, lur- as you yes. say it lurches i mean the the scene where dan and the boy are on the shore and the boy says i'm going out there and dan says how are you going to get there i'm going to swim well, they told me not to wander off and then next shot the doctor and yaz are running into the tardis and they're leaving dan behind well i told him not to wander off well, I, how did they well, how did they know he'd wandered I, off they didn't wandered off exactly looking and and I get yeah. I get that that could be a very boring scene, but that you know surely surely the point is you use that pretext for some other aspect of the story. That could have been that could have been a chance to kind of establish where we're at in the in the Yaz Doctor thing, or it could have been. I I I, I felt like I mean you you've got an a, a, a doctor who maybe doesn't have a great track record on pirate stories but you've got a pirate story here you've got a pirate who i know nothing about i wanted more information about madame ching uh, well you've got nothing so, there yeah i mean i i didn't i wasn't impressed by crystal you but i don't i i thought the direction of this episode was pretty dreadful generally so it may be that was the reason why I didn't think she was very good. But it 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 felt like there were a lot of kind of very predictable posed shots and uh reveals and a, yeah again a lot of her her performance. The, it was it was big on the swashbuckling but pretty low on the characterization. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean so Onto the for the moment for the pacing, but I definitely want to talk about managing <laughs> for quite a bit more parts. I alluded to it in my recap. It feels like Dan knows all about the Florida Lamar. Mm-hmm. Is this a famous thing? Is this famous like the Marie Celeste? And I've just never heard of it before. It's real. It's legit. Well, it might. It might be, but I I've not heard of it either. So so when he pops, when they make some mention of it, then suddenly Dan just rattles off what it is i'm like oh they're here to find that or maybe this is just more of my dan is ridiculously suspicious character and he is definitely going to cause some major problems next time but so there's that and then you know as you as you point out they still did do the dr yasmin thing and i think looking back on it some of the complaints i've had not just that in particular, but Chibnall can't do this. He is not deft enough to shift gears from action to introspective. We're going to have a little talk. He does it at the wrong time. It, it just, it jars. It's like throwing your car in the wrong gear. It, it just really, and he's done it, it is. before. I've complained about it in the Eve of the Daleks, and I'm sure I've complained, complained about it before. He just breaks down ah we're all gonna die by the way i've been feeling a little bit emotional about (laughs) like why are you doing this now shut up and survive then worry about it and uh, i i mean i i i agree i think it's done very badly here and i i think that the the kind of the issue may arise from the fact that this is something that Stephen moffat does really incredibly well he can just shift gears between comedy and action and those those kind of quiet more intimate moments 
and or, or, I mean, it's not even shifting. Sometimes it's weaving them. It's weaving them together, and right. it, it sets an expectation for the show. Because I, I think we've got to acknowledge the kind of he he was showrunner for six seasons, and that has an impact on the expectations of of what you do. And Chibnall's first season, I do think, was quite effective in kind of drawing a line, saying, "Yeah, no, we're we're doing some." All that kind of convoluted backstories fallen away. All those returning villains. We're not having any of that. It's a new, a, a completely new set of characters, a completely new set of stories, and so your expectations are some to some degree reset. The problem, I think, is where you get stories where he tries to do what you know what you what you describe, which is something that the show has done well in the past. It's very difficult to match because Stephen Moffat is just that that is his particular thing. So you would not expect mm. many writers to be able to do that. And the ideal thing would be for them to play to their strengths rather than trying to, to conform to a template that someone else has set. Yeah. You know, looking back on the first season, uh, the, the the emotional beats were largely to do with uh, Ryan and and Graham. Graham, there we go. And they were done at better times. For example, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the when they were on the, the ghost planet, or they're looking for the ghost monument, yeah. they would have those moments when they were on the boat sailing down the river to the next destination. The audience knows there's a lull while they have to make that transit. And we don't follow the whole transit, but we get the opportunity to see that during that time, they can have this conversation. It It's a good point. It's a good down point where they can all stop and reassess what's going on and say what's on their mind without it seeming like <laughs> the world is blowing up and there's anything we should be doing instead of having this conversation. And other yeah. cases have been when they were walking through forests or, you know, investigating something, but not in the pressing emergency situations. Yes. And that they're, they're not getting that now because there is nothing but pressing emergency from the moment this episode goes right we arrive a sea devil is killing people yeah all right let's talk about uh tenny sao or madam ching um she is a very famous pirate Uh, i couldn't have told you her name uh prior to this my wife couldn't have told you her name i asked her name name famous chinese pirates and she was just like uh but she looked them up online uh, in Chinese and, uh, you know, rattled off a few. And I'm like, eh, it doesn't sound like Madam Ching, which is what they kept calling her. Um, she has several names. Tseni Sao is the main one that is referred to. But it's, it, her name also means something like widow of, of Pirate Ching. She, she's the widowed wife and then took over but she she is uh infamous or or famous for her treatment of her crews and their captives and you know they didn't they didn't interfere with women they didn't uh you know they didn't keep booty for themselves it all went into a pot and it got shared out evenly uh very harsh she set many of the codes of standards that you would hear about for pirates this is her she was very uh, effective at it and ultimately got a pardon, uh, you know, as pirates often do, because they're really kind of you know, helping out the gov. And um, none of that is in evidence here at all. No, no, no. And it, you it, could it, be forgiven strange thinking because... Ji-hun was a real one, too, but he is not. <laughs> That's just made up. And, and, the, and the strange thing is that you get you get this interesting character and it's more unusual to have a, a woman pirate. At least I, I yeah. certainly more unusual to have the story told of a woman pirate. And there's all this kind of criticism about how, you know, Doctor Who is also terribly politically correct and yada, yada, yada. But actually this story sidelines her in mm-hmm. favor of the made up male pirate. When yeah. I would be much more interested in hearing about her. It's, it's, it's very odd. Yeah, I mean, he it, it, when they meet up, he basically says, "You woman, that in those words, fetch the treasure." <laughs> and yeah. She does. 
I mean, she yeah, does. she wants and the I, treasure. And I expected there to be some so, comment about that, and, and and there was not. No. And he it, he it, he's the one who gets the kind of heroic redemption arc, and and mm-hmm. I don't I don't get a sense at all of what she was like in terms of you know her how you obviously get a, a bit of a story because she's obviously you know there's the kick-ass fighting bit which you get from the very beginning and then obviously the kind of threatening people and and there's a there's a slight hint particularly in her relationship with the young boy and even the way she looks at his father when the sea devil exploding has killed him mm-hmm. that or, or you know of there being some compassion or whatever but i also kind of want to know when the chips are down how is how is she going to operate because there's only kind of so far you can go as a pirate in the direction of being compassionate without kind of taking the edge off your your effectiveness as a as a privateer yeah yeah as 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 someone because you because it's your reputation isn't it if you if you if you want to be able to overpower people without actually just basically having to massacre everyone you have to convince them you're willing to massacre everyone and would she be i don't know she was she was a very effective pirate but in in real life and but again yeah, yeah nothing here so, I mean, this is this is worse than what they did to mary seacole who was really only there or to have Mary Seacole there. Look at this fascinating person in history. Now, remember, when you go to school Monday, ask your librarian to learn more. I mean, they should have that at the end of these. Well, I'll agree. You don't with, learn anything I'll, about yeah. him in this episode. Yeah, I'll, I'll uh, definitely agree. It was worse than Mary Seacole. I felt I learned something about Mary Seacole from the um, from the Crimea episode. I got I, a little bit. She was. She, you know, I learned she existed and that <laughs> she was, you know. Uh, doing this herself out of, let's call it kindness, but whatever her motivations were, whether it was deeply religious or deeply, deeply humanitarian or, you know, I, I got that. So there is like this character and we got what she does. She's there at the front. She set up a hospital. Yeah, we got that. But that really had nothing to do with how she was used in the story, which was just basically to follow around the doctor and take notes. But, you know, in the pirate story, Adam Ching, wow, you're amazing. You're the pirate that did pirated stuff. And wow, big fan. And okay, she's a pirate. <laughs> that, that's all we got out of this one. I, uh, I don't, and I have no problem with, I, you know, this is a legitimate, real historical figure that could be interesting and should be woven into the story in a way that, we better understand that person. I, I could make I could I could make the case for you know pure historicals again at this point, but I've done it so many times. It is a little bit hard for them to weave. Know what I'm going to say, you know, it, it is a little hard for them to weave a sci-fi story in and not. Of course, you know how how hard was it in Rosa? You just pop an alien from the future future Nazi who wants to cause problems. <laughs> But well, anyway. uh, well, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I was tempted to go back and watch the Curse of Black Spot to, to, because that that felt like in a very strong season that felt like a, a not the strongest episode. I don't know how it compared to this because my recollection is I enjoyed it more than I enjoyed this one. But mm. I suspect that my issue again was you don't need the sci-fi elephant if you're if you're you know if you're doing a, a pirate genre with swashbuckling and everything. And particularly in this one, where you're where you're doing a true story, you don't need the sci-fi element. So right. that was that was a part of the issue with this. I think the other part of it was the sea devil issue. Mm. And mm-hmm. again, you know, I'm not going to harp on about things I've harped on about before. But I don't need returning monsters. The problem with returning monsters is always if you're going to do a returning monster story, you're either going to do a remake of a story you've told before, which isn't necessarily a bad thing if you do a good remake, or you're going to have to twist the monster so that it does something novel, but then it kind of dilutes the the original kind of unique, interesting nature of the monster in the first place, and you're going to spend 
you know, certain amount of time explaining why sea devils have ships or whatever it is. Or you have a story <laughs> that actually is developed without the monster in mind and then you sort of crowbar the monster in because you go, oh, you could put sea devils in this story, which I believe is what they did in in this case. I, yes, but I've, it, I've it doesn't that, yeah. it doesn't feel like it fits to me it does it it feels like there's an too much time is spent explaining why sea devils are not behaving like sea devils because Mm. they're not quite the monster that was originally envisioned for this story and there haven't been enough rewrites and i don't i don't i suspect there could not be enough rewrites to kind of make it into a a coherent this is Mm. actually advancing the sea devil story as well as telling the story the story the the pirate story and do it all in 47 minutes. Well, let me say about the sea devils, because I have a fond spot for the sea devils and the Silurians until they ruined the Silurians, but um, <laughs> arguably in warriors of the deep, but certainly in, in cold <laughs> blood or whatever it is. Um, By Chris Chibnall. The story, the, yeah, yeah, <laughs> go figure. The, <laughs> the story of the sea devils and the Silurians, I'll just call them sea devils for the sake of this argument, has the the notion that all over the world clusters of sea devils went into hibernation and they mm-hmm. do not know what has happened so as each small cluster wakes up you could tell a different story about how they go about that reawakening now i think it's probably safe to say that there's an overwhelming uh racial hatred against apes and mammals and whatnot so that's a baseline for there and we did see in chibnall's to his fair you know some of the sea devil or the, some of the silurians were not actually uh they could be convinced to live as as was in the original but they do have to have a, a relatively coherent so you could have a lot of little different sea devil stories is what i'm getting at and they could be different but they could be on the same pattern or they could surprise us and the next time it happens it's not like the Daleks, where they should have learned from their previous mistake, the next time a cluster of sea devils opens up, they wouldn't know what happened to the others. So the cycle no, could but I repeat think itself. But it, it, it could just... repeat itself. And I, I don't necessarily mind it repeating itself as long as they do it well. You know, yeah. I don't and mind seeing this... the same story twice. I, I'm, a, I'm upset that the sea devils are obviously, uh, in this one, planning on wiping out all the Silurians. Because there would obviously they must be land parasites too. They're not aquatic, mm-hmm. and they're going to turn the world all back to the way it was. It's like well, the world wasn't actually like that. So, eh, eh. It, 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 right? It feels like they didn't think about the sea devils much. They did a beautiful, beautiful job of recreating them, but they did what well, they. You know, well, that's not yeah, enough. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they visually. Visually, visually, they look good. The way they talk slightly annoyed me, but whatever. What they failed to recreate, I think, was that incredible sense of, and and th- and this is kind of what I mean about if you if you revisit it, you are you are, I think you've encapsulated what the Sea Devil story is, and I feel like you should stick to it because it's it's good, even if it means kind of retelling the same story. But it does have to do with, as you say a small group of the uh, 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 a small colony waking waking up and the danger being entirely from what if they were to reactivate other colonies and you know create this massive kind of global overthrow of the uh, of the human race and there's an interesting role there for the doctor's play brokering a peace that obviously has very relevant parallels Mm-hmm. But it also has to do with, you know, just when it does come down to the design and really behavior of the monsters, it has to it has to do with their kind of power and strength. And that comes from their kind of that 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 comes from their strangeness, their I was gonna say unworldliness, but obviously they are actually terrestrial. Very worldly, yes. It what it doesn't come from is a big glowing blue sword that just hacks everyone to pieces and is completely poisonous at the slightest touch because here's the issue anyone with a blue glowing sword that poisons people at the slightest touch 
is incredibly powerful. Guess what? Like it's the sword that is the threat, not well, the, 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 yeah. the monster wielding it. So, you know, it just dilutes that that kind of interesting aspect of, of what these monsters are. I think it was very nice of the sea devils. I mean, I think they were being very considerate to the humans that here is an advanced technological race that is far in advance of us. We know that when they went into hibernation, they had ray guns and all sorts of cool technology. But when they come out and they encounter a bunch of savage apes with swords, they go, hey, swords, huh? Let's do our, so let's <laughs> make some swords, put the guns back in the arsenal. That would be what, unfair? Uh, confuse them violate the prime directive who knows what but let's have swords glowing blue swords that annoyed me more about anything than the swords but but you're right it's also the power that it gives them it it was they were trying to make an equalizer there in the story and it, yeah by it just it's ill-advised it's ill-advised let, let 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 me i put my case but before but i'll i'll say it again let, let's briefly say that something is wrong with dan there is just something off about Dan. I like Dan, which surprises the heck out of me considering, uh, you know, but I, I like Dan, but every once in a while, he just pulls something. He's too blase about the bazaar when he started out. He, you know, we've mentioned this several times over the course of the flux. He, what was the scene where the doctor says, you know, here's a sword, use it only as a last resort. He doesn't even wait for the last resort. He just literally kills them all with it hmm. instantly. It's like he knew all about the Fleur de Lamar. Now, if if indeed they had been looking for it, which it's not completely clear that that's what they were looking for, then, you know, maybe they'd had a little briefing in the TARDIS console room beforehand. But without it, it seems like Dan just has this pop out of the top of his head and it comes off as strange. And I go... Oh. And the doctor doesn't seem to notice that it's weird. And that bothers me. You know, there should at least, yeah. you know, like when, when Amy would, you can go back and look at some of the stuff where Amy was a, a, a dop, dop, doppelganger. Was that what it was? Um, mm -hmm. There were a couple times the doctor does stuff and he's like, hmm, <laughs> looks at the scanner and looks at the thing, looks at Amy. He's like, hmm, like he knows something's off. We get nothing of that with this doctor. There is there is no indication that she notices that that something is odd with Dan. There is just absolutely ludicrously, ridiculously irritating to me that they keep talking about the Fleur de Lamar, and it's not until the Sea Devil actually spells it out that the Doctor clocks on. Oh, that flying ship, 16th century Portuguese ship that we saw earlier. Oh, now it all makes sense. Like, oh my god. <laughs> thought everyone in the audience was screaming at that point I, I didn't even realize the doctor didn't realize it until that point and then i was like wow this one's dim as a post oh <laughs> she doesn't recognize that dan is wrong 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 she doesn't spot that and i don't think she had enough interactions with die to realize that die is wrong that whole bit where she was trapped in another world and she's the one that figured out how to escape and the timing and all that stuff might have been shorthand, but it sure feels like there's far more than a human intelligence operating in that in that head. And the fact that they pull that at the end of this one, where she's like, "Yeah, it's nice thinking about you." It's like, "Yeah, this is this is the end game. This is the end game." And it starts with die somehow. But I just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, don't know. Uh, I, I mean, I think you, I think you do make a case and. It could, it could just could be, be bad a, writing. <laughs> it could be a it could be a series of mistakes, or it could be it could be something that is deliberately laid. But the problem I've got at this stage is, I don't really care about Dan. I kind of liked him all the way through Flux, and mm. he worked in the Christmas special, but he just has become a bit of a spare part. I think maybe because he doesn't have enough interaction, maybe because they don't have enough discussion about what they're doing or why. Got to keep the actors both, apart. Well, yeah, perhaps, but both he and 
Dai, because I mean, with with Dai, you had that kind of what again also felt very contrived at the end of at the end of Flux. Oh, you know, yeah, I'm too pissed off about having been trapped inside the passenger and yada 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 so that's why we can't be together and now suddenly it feels like and now this is suddenly contrived to to give dan an exit because clearly Mm. we're we're well i say clearly i'm i'm working on the assumption that we are going to see our regular cast leave at the same time as chibnall and so dan needs dan needs some kind of closure in the in the in the final episode and this is a way of setting that up a bit so it doesn't feel like suddenly oh bam dies back now they're going to live happily ever after yeah and yes obviously has to sacrifice her life for the doctor that's the only way that's going to work out mm. but I, I i have no idea i have no idea what is going to happen to to yes um this I don't know what happened in this episode either, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. And the the problem, I think, partly comes down to, I don't, I understand because we've, we've, we've kind of had this built up to a degree. Yaz's, Yaz's kind of growing devotion to the Doctor. She, you know, that, that, that has developed over the course of, the what three seasons yeah three seasons that it's been now but despite that at this stage i don't know what she wants what she what does she want from the doctor does she just so i mean there are various possibilities right she's in, she's deeply in love with the doctor that is clear does she just want to have some kind of commitment that she can stay with the doctor forever or does she want the doctor to feel the same way about her or do, or is she after some you know degree of intimacy with the doctor it, it it's not clear to me what she is looking for and therefore it's not clear to me what the doctor is saying i can't give you and it, and that's also a problem because the reasons the doctor gives for sort of say do we believe the doctor that's you know that's the other side of this puzzle because well, she she goes into the speech, says Yaz is one of the greatest people she's ever known. I don't buy that. Well, I mean, for, first of all, Yaz clearly isn't one of the greatest people she's ever known. But that doesn't mean the Doctor couldn't feel that Yaz is one of the greatest people she's ever known if she's reciprocating those feelings. But I don't even know if she is, because I it could be that this is just some BS to basically make Yaz feel better. It's, it's, is it? It's not... It's not you, it's me. I mean, come on. <laughs> that is that is that is always but is it? a lie. <laughs> Isn't that always a lie? I mean, that that is the if not in reality, then at least in the uh, in in the zeitgeist when when well, somebody breaks it, up and says it's not you, it's me, they mean it's you. You know, they're just trying to be nice. And I I thought, wow, that was cold, doctor. Here's the reason that I don't think it's true, but I don't know whether this is because I don't know whether my reading of the doctor differs from Chibnall's reading of the doctor, but the doctor says that she can't become attached to people or places because of reasons, but she is incredibly attached to the earth. And there's, and there's something else about the doctor and, and and again, there's this kind of suggestion which kind of harks back to the to the school reunion stuff about how you know humans are their lifespan is a blink of blink of the eye to the doctor. They you know they just kind of they're ephemeral to her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In in essence, which I, I you know I'm not quite sure whether I I totally agree with. I I, I get it because you know thousands of years versus barely a hundred so the doctor is essentially saying i can't become attached to a human because then the human dies and then i beca- then i'm really upset about that so i've got to protect myself by not getting attached to someone who lives for that little amount of time again it feels to me like it is intrinsic to the doctor's character that she just she lives in the moment. She plunges into whatever situation she finds herself in. She cares passionately about 
the people around her and she doesn't hold back she doesn't hold back in my opinion and so i think about you know the madame pompadour episode or whatever and i just think that feels much more like the character of the doctor i think about all all the 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 kind of the the episodes where tom baker's doctor is just so impulsive in going and and you know help helping people out and giving whatever they need just giving them whatever they need that that feels to me like the doctor that i know and so in a sense what i what i feel like the doctor can't give yaz is actually to do with the fact she's not a monogamist right to because to do that for one person is it's it's exclusive that's the you know essentially what it's about and that may be what yaz is wanting that kind of exclusivity and i if that were it i could totally get it the doctor can't be exclusive because she doesn't just love one person it and and one person who's just going to disappear in a minute it it's like if anyone if another if another planet came and asked her to give up whatever or another person or she she wouldn't she wouldn't be able to refuse them she wouldn't yeah. be able to say you know no i i i I can't do that because that would mean leaving Yaz or so I, I I don't feel like the, the reading of the doctor in this, if the doctor is telling the truth is the character that I know. Yeah. It is, it is very hard to, it is very hard to swallow that the doctor is telling the truth when they use a line like you're the best person I know, even better than my wife. Uh, You know, it's like, wow. Okay. That's a, that's a hell of a weird line. And, you know, we know that well, Madame de say, Pompadour was me, better. I'm married. Yeah, that too. Um, so I want to come back. You, you mentioned Yaz wanting intimacy, and we should draw a line here. There are two kinds of intimacy, physical and emotional. And we have seen Yaz desperately, desperately trying to get emotional intimacy from the doctor. Mm-hmm. Every time the doctor keeps a secret, Yaz gets all pissy, yes. <laughs> frankly. And that is not, not a good look but uh, for Yaz. But at the same time, it does give us the hint that we are talking, at least that is one of the things she wants. That is, that is the emotional intimacy. But if, at the same time, wouldn't she then be, frankly, jealous of Dan being aboard the TARDIS? Well, I you know, think given, I think given that your I, premise that, that we've seen none of that. I mean, she's best pals with Dan. I mean, yes, they've spent more time together than the Doctor and Yaz, but still, like, it, it is. Well, yeah, uh, it, it's. I it's, think uh, I think I don't I don't I think that's less important because the because the Doctor isn't showing Dan any more affection than she is showing Yaz. So I'm not sure there is anything to be jealous of there. I, I just I, th- I think the difficulty from the doctor's point of view would be that if if you know if they were both in danger and she could only save one, I'm not sure the doctor would choose, or I'm not mm. sure she would choose Yaz. Right. I I'm not sure she would either. <laughs> I, I could say that I saw something that I cannot. I did not see the words come out of Nanda Pills. So it's it's apocryphal, it's third hand, however you want to go about it. But there was there is something floating around that's being attributed. It says Man of Gil didn't actually know about this love story until Eve of the Daleks script. And I've been trying to go, how is that possible? Given all of the you know, yeah. unless Man of Gil was interpreting it as as worship, what would the doctor do? That's more of a that's more of a what's my God doing? Hmm. How, how can I best live up to the, but you know, the, the, the scenes about let us in, tell us what your secret you're keeping, all that stuff. It just it doesn't, how she could not have seen that going all the way back to a dinner scene with her family, where her mom basically calls her out on it. Says, are you dating this doctor or something like that? I, I mean, it was, it was like, wow. Okay. They, they pegged that all the way back in season one. They've been laying that groundwork. I don't see how, it could be oblivious of that, but no, I, I mean, I, I agree, but I, I think, I think, you know, there has, there has been, it has been left open to interpretation. There's a degree of ambiguity about it. The problem is at this point, I think you've got to do, you've got to 
because because the story is moving towards some kind of closure mm. you you can't you can't keep saying this is both one thing and another and yet they never they never like i say my issue is they never really spell out what the characters want and even at the end and the doctor's saying i wish this could go on forever yeah we're just friends which with is obviously at this point a, a setup for it not to go on forever and for it all to end but the issue is that what does this mean what does this mean what does the doctor understand by this mm. what is it she wants to go on forever i that's a darn good question i i i do think that part of what the doctor is doing here in the let's try to be kind here let's let's say that this is not the doctor dumping yaz in the way that every uh every every cliche ever existed uh let's say this is the doctor going oh yeah i'm about to die i have a i have a terminal disease i know i'm going to die soon i am not and i'm or regenerate at the very least and i am not going to be the person that yes is in love with therefore it's it's not you it's me it it literally could mean that because i think that's you know we're supposed to have that portentous but it, it, uh, look at the future. Have we had anything and, like that? Yeah, have we, we did. had it. Where the the uh, the 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 thing in the flux told the doctor that that it was all over in all the, right, at the end of the last episode. Said that it was in the trailer. The the same line was from time that the beware the forces and the and the master that marshals them or something like that. Your time is coming to an end, and we got the Friendly same Oscar. silly That's thing okay. we got from the or from the Easter special. You know, not three times or four times or whatever it was. And yeah, we, we've got that. We've had that. It's been clunkily plopped down in the story. So the doctor could literally be doing that. And so then like saying, I wish things could go on like this forever could be trying to look at David Tennant's, uh, the Ood are telling me my songs coming. I don't want to go victory laps and whatnot that he did, that he's just trying to hang on as long as he can. Which you know, fair enough. It, but if it if it is, I guess that makes some sort of sense. Although it doesn't feel like it has been. It doesn't. It doesn't feel since, like the groundwork is there for that. But since the doctor hasn't told Yaz and is keeping that intimate secret to herself, from Yaz's perspective, this has to look like a dump. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, it doesn't feel. It doesn't feel like the groundwork has been done for that. Also, I don't like it anyway. I mean, I didn't. I didn't like it with your song is over now i didn't like it with trends it just i under i understand they're trying to prepare the audience for letting the doctor go but i i i, I like you say the kind of happy-go-lucky doctor who just dives into things and is willing to sacrifice herself even at the cost of a of a regeneration is is the the kind of character i feel i'm more familiar with yeah all right Let, let's throw just a couple points out there the never have we seen an episode that was more obvious that it was shot under covid restrictions i mean the pirate ship is empty i thought that was just budget restrictions well they had a whole bunch of sea devil but it's gotta be it's like we can't have all these actors on set it's it's got maybe they just it was covid no you you, you're right it was covid restrictions i i i don't see why they couldn't have had a crew who were socially distanced yeah because it's not like it's not like you you ever have that many people aboard a ship like that that they're shoulder to shoulder i am not convinced that the dread pirate ching has got the ability to manage that ship single-handedly no how does she say it no absolutely not impossible it's ridiculous um i thought that the not murka the hua shen Mm. i believe they called it which is amusing that they had a chinese sounding name was, a, you know, in keeping with this, I don't think you get the sea devils because that was just stupid biology. Six eyes and dumb teeth. Couldn't they have come up with some actual real sea creature that the sea devils would have had in their arsenal? But no. I was afraid they didn't came up with something. back, to be honest. I was hoping they would try to redeem the murka. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> redeem maybe. the murka. That's redeem. CGI pantomime horse <laughs> have to wait for big fin- big finishes murka box set <laughs> <laughs> yes that's that's perfect um 
the music. Did you have any thoughts on the music? Not especially. I remember quite enjoying it, but I've now forgotten it. It's all Chinesey sounding. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, it's kind of unusual. I, as far as I can tell, it was composed by the same uh, yeah, composer. Yeah, it was taken out um, But uh, uh, I did get a, I, I'll say, uh, David, who uh, occasionally does some hosting here on uh, Fusion Patrol, shot me some notes after he'd watched the episode. And uh, they weren't complimentary. Um, but uh, one of them was a complaint that the music was too loud to hear some of the dialogue. I didn't know. Oh, that's that. interesting. Because we haven't heard that since the sort of early, early Rose, days yeah. of Murray Gold. And uh, yeah, interesting. Uh, I will, I will it was throw louder. His, his... Yeah, it was noticeable. And I've, I've mentioned not noticing the music uh, throughout, throughout the Chibnall era. So uh, I'll just throw this out there since he gave me two comments. On, here's a quote. So that was a horrendous episode yesterday. Um, so there we go. <laughs> uh, thanks, David, um, for writing in. <laughs> so uh let's see yeah i i i don't know it in a way it kind of the fact the doctor was wearing the chinese outfit and it seemed a little and yeah i don't know that annoyed me a bit i have to say so felt a little cultural appropriation ish but at the same time it's like Eh, you know what's the doctor doing with earth clothes cultural appropriation i i guess but well we know that we know the tardis has this massive wardrobe so it's not beyond it's not beyond the realms of imagination there might be something in what annoyed me about it is she'll just go to the you know to any any planet any Mm -hmm. other place or time on earth and just you know turn up in the same you know boots and t-shirt that she normally wears anywhere and all her previous incarnations have done most of the time, much the most same of the thing. time. You're going to say talents of Wang Chiang. Talents of Wang Chiang. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you know that at least in that one, you felt it was because the doctor actually wanted to do, to do a bit of um, dressing up. Cosplay, if, yeah. if the doctor here had said, Oh, you know, I'd really, I've been really looking forward to an opportunity to wear this outfit. I might have. I've never been able to fit in this for my last 12 lives. Yeah, hmm. uh, I have a note here that the CGI was generally dire. I don't understand why. I mean, again, it, it, because it was me there thinking, well, they've they've cut back on the extras for budgetary reasons. I thought they could have saved some money by having that. It was it wasn't that the CGI was poorly executed so much as the fact that it was just odd. It was just odd. Why, you know, why why did the cannonballs explode? Why, that, why did why did the stones skip so badly? They they well, looked yeah, terrible. Yeah. I the why sea did, devil jumping to the ship that? was yeah. It just didn't. It's like eh, this doesn't. It's if you know if you're gonna have the sea devil leap over to the ship, which was ludicrous, then at least somehow make it not look like a bad effect. And I, eh, yeah. I would, I would just say you don't, you don't have the, you don't have all that jumping, or you don't have a stupid flying ship, and you don't have the. Uh, you compare. What it was to, the point like, of the flying the, ship? Yeah. Yeah. Well, there was no point to the flying ship. There was, there was the the cannonballs exploding was ludicrous, but also it was just there to have an explosion. We don't necessarily need explosions, and that's where I kind of go. And the, if you're if you're going to crowbar these returning monsters in, then. I'm inevitably going to compare it to, well, what about the sea devils where you just don't have all of these special effects because you don't need them. And it's a great mm-hmm. story. And it, you know, there, there is, there is the, partly the space and time for more characterization and dialogue to explain the motivation, which just generally helps in the story. And I'm not arguing that you need to have, I can't remember whether the sea devils is four or six parts, but you know, you don't need to have it two or three times as long as the running time of this, but it does help with the, the kind of holding back on the special effects with actually trying to make it look as authentic as possible with actually grounding the story. And to me that, that does, that, that ties in with all of the kind of, why are we doing what we're doing? It's, it's making, it feel a little bit more 
relatable and a little bit less this is just like watching a fireworks shit display yeah it it's uh, this was not great this was not great there is one thing in this episode that i really really liked and you know there's there's the history of the silurians and the sea devil are absolutely fraught with terrible naming because to this date we still don't know what the silurians or the sea devils call themselves right we we do not have a clue but i did love the line when the doctor goes sea devil and the sea devil responds with land parasite it's like fair enough fair enough <laughs> like sea devil certainly not name. complimentary is yeah. it no no i mean that was the that was given to them by the the crazed sailor on the I think the sea fort that they found and like, what happened? Sea devil! Like, you know, and then that name stuck. And I think they even freaking used it in warriors of the deep. When the Silurian triumvirate were talking to the commander of the sea devils, are your sea devil warriors ready? No. It's like, really? Well, as you are. And we, and we already know the Silurians were not from the Silurian. (laughs) So, I mean, it's just all, it's all wrong. And and I think the Chibnall trying to cover it in uh, in Cold Bud or the, whatever the two episodes were, the crying earth, or, uh, was he called them Homo reptilia, which is Latin and therefore just more of us making up names for them instead yeah, of... Yeah, on the other hand, they're speaking English. So, you know, <laughs> the, the, yeah. there is that. Yeah, the... yeah. See, they they, they uh, could uh, take uh, offense. They could take umbrage of this, I, I you know. <laughs> it, it, I mean, all all of these problems. I'm not saying I'm not saying you have to resolve them to bring the monsters back. If you don't bring the monsters back, you just go with a new monster. I mean, if you need if you need a monster in your subaquatic story, I think it's fair to say that the Earth's oceans have a enough kind of different species that it's not that improbable that just because you're telling a subaquatic story you happen you 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 will inevitably bump into a sea devil there could be other stuff down there the the story they have never done and as far as i know big Funish have never done it the story that i want to see is the doctor arriving on earth during the reign of the silurians and helping them out that has absolutely nothing to do with the catastrophe that caused them to go underground or anything. Just, you know, here is here is another alien world we've landed on. It just happens to be Earth in the past. And do that. Do that story. Yeah. No different than the Doctor landing in Paris and having an adventure. Oh my gosh, I was wrong. It was Earth all along. Yeah, well, there's, yeah, there's that. But, but, you know, the Doctor would know that it was Earth. So it wouldn't be a... <sighs> It wouldn't be a surprise, but anyway. Um, do you have anything else about the actual episode before we turn our attention to? Oh no, no, no! Let's get, let's get to it. Let's get to it. I don't know how Chibnall did it. I'll give him this. I had not heard any hint in any way, shape, or form that Ace and Tegan had been in, or the actors portraying Ace and Tegan had been in filming for the finale. That was a complete and absolute jaw-dropping surprise in the next Likewise. time trailer. But all my instant... I have actually trimmed these profanity from this one. My instant response to that was, how will Chibnall screw up Ace and Tegan? Just, he's lost all credibility with me because that's right what my brain went to. It's like, oh, no. It's <laughs> like... You're, you, yeah, you're not gonna, you're not gonna, you're not gonna dampen my excitement about this. This is, this is where the hypocrisy comes in. This is like, I'm so excited about these returning characters. In particular, Ace is so long mm-hmm. overdue, um, coming back. And, you know, it will screw things up. I mean, I've lost count of how many different endings to the Ace story there are. There are various other meetings with the doctor that contradict what we've actually heard in the trailer of her saying she hasn't um, seen him yep. for 30 years. But I, I kind of don't care about all of that. I, in fact, it, this this is a win just based on that fab 
publicity photo of them um, both, you know, in what looks like an underground car park, but standing there in costume. It, a, to, that's for me. I, I'm kind <laughs> that's of, how they I'm, kept I'm, it a secret. Well, it well it probably is because I think a lot of it was filmed indoors and. Uh, Janet Fielding made some comment about, you know, because it was, again, COVID restrictions and, and being in Cardiff wearing a mask, no one recognised her, which would obviously have, have uh, blown the gaff mm. to, to some extent. And I think that I think from what the comments that they have made, they are they're playing fairly substantial roles in the episode. But yeah, no, to me, I mean, I think I've said it before, but Ace is perhaps the best Doctor Who companion. I love Ace. And I know that Russell T. Davies had had plans to bring back Ace. I think bringing back Ace is a great move because there is an interesting story that has been suggested in references to Ace in the modern series, but also seeing her as a 50-something, but having that depth of character that you get just because she's played that role since you know she was playing a a kind of teen and with mm-hmm. the coat and the and the baseball bat and now now there she is with the pinstripe and the uh the kind of respectable global charity and yeah and no, i just i'm i am i'm really excited for it i'm really excited I, i'm it. waiting i'm waiting for this scene the doctor yes step into the room and i see ace and the doctor goes, Ace! And of course, Ace goes, huh? And then <laughs> and then the doctor turns to Yaz and says, I forgot. No, you're not the best. This is Ace. <laughs> Ace is the best. Oh, Tegan! Well, it is. It Tegan's is. the best. Yeah, no, sorry. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Not a good, not a good look. <laughs> I mean, I think presumably there will be there will be something of, of that. Because, you know, just briefly going back to the episode for for me one of the one of the things that worked best in the whole yaz doctor arc was when she i mean the doctor obviously mentions her wife in this episode mm-hmm. and i'm guessing that may be a reference to river song though never quite yeah, one thought. of them it could be marilyn monroe could be it, the the thing that, that worked worked it would be interesting if river turned up the thing that had worked best was when Yaz and Jack had that exchange about traveling with the di- with the doctor and the the way that 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 gives her an understanding of just being one person in the doctor's life amongst many 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 people which I think is something that that Jack understands um and the the kind of the people who the doctor who are almost kind of as companions but also peers like Jack or like river they're 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 in some ways the more kind of polygamous characters so yeah it will be it will be interesting i guess to have the doctor in in a situation it it was actually sort of this there was the same thing in school reunion wasn't there where you Mm -hmm. had that growing closeness between rose and the doctor and then another past companion comes in and that forces the new companion to adjust her relationship on the basis that, oh, you know, I'm just one of one of these many. So yeah, perhaps that is the role Ace and Tegan will be playing. Hmm. Or and and you know, I, one thing that surprises me about that trailer is that managing to keep that sequel that secret for this long, did Chibnall put Ace and Tegan in there because he knew he couldn't keep it forever, or did he do it to cover up the fact that say they also got River in? I, I, I don't know. Because you know how he cuts his trailers to be useless. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it, and it, and it is, it is odd and it is interesting. And, you know, looking ahead, there's there's all this, there's all this speculation around the first Russell T. Davis episode, first new Russell T. Davis episode being the 60th anniversary episode, which will air a year after this one. And if he does that, he's going to have to introduce a new doctor. And can you introduce a new doctor in a multi-doctor story? Because that's really, really hard. And, you know, 
will that include bringing back the previous doctor who's literally just there's all those complications and the obvious thing to do instead of making a multi-doctor story although this will disappoint people would be making a multi-companion story just bringing back a load of those old favorite uh companion characters so that you do have that that element of connecting with the show's past and this this kind of that this is a spoiler for that unless it's somehow going to lead into it i don't know. i think it'll be a clip show i think right rtd's first episode will be a clip show <laughs> you heard it here first i i my my it'll be you know jody whittaker's doctor will have fallen at the end of the episode and be trapped in mid regeneration and then we will spend the entire 60th anniversary trying to probe the doctor's mind uh and looking back at their previous adventure to try to uh do something and we've completely forgotten that whole nonsense with the timeless child by now so yeah <laughs> well yeah or or the rtd the you know, new, new rtd era it'll just be a, a different doctor each episode so you know there we go. anything yeah. goes my my personal theory is there will be a an intermediate one at christmas but that could just be wishful thinking i don't know rowan atkinson i i i there was a fairly cryptic comment uh, again, another cryptic comment from Janet Fielding saying, you know, you have not seen all the surprises in the trailer. So I think you could be right. I, it's Adric. I don't. <laughs> well, yeah, that that would be that would be interesting. I mean, one. So one of the one of the questions is why Ace and Tegan? And obviously, you know, it's not too much of a question in my mind, because I, I do th- I do think Ace is a real standout companion. It does feel to me like uh, she was the kind of archetype for the for the show's modern companions she was very di- different from the companions that came before i know a lot of people have a soft spot for tegan i wouldn't necessarily have gone you know if you're going to bring back a classic companion it's going to be you know first it's going to be sarah jane smith and then it's going to be tegan I would have gone first Sarah Jane Smith, probably. I mean, I can see why they There's a why problem with that. that one, yeah. Oh, you mean um, for the, But, you know, I don't, I don't know why you wouldn't, you wouldn't bring back, you know, Jamie McCrimmon, for example, before, or Joe Grant. Well, I suppose we've had Joe Grant in the spinoff. But, you know, some of, the, some of those characters who, um, or Leela, you know, some of, the, some of those characters who people still particularly remember and talk about, whereas it did feel like, in the 80s, maybe Doctor Who didn't quite make as a lasting impression on the psyche of the the wider population beyond fandom. Hmm. Possible. Yeah. yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I'm sure there'll be some more something in there. Companions, maybe Matt Smith. Um, you know. <laughs> <laughs> maybe this will be a multi-Doctor story and they managed to hide that completely. That will be, well, I mean, I, I, I think my reservation about it, like I say, I'm, I, 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 I'm excited for it. I'm a hypocrite for getting excited about bringing back a recurring element <laughs> where I've just spent an episode complaining about bringing back a recurring element. My concern is it's got such a lot to do in wrapping things up. And it's only 30 that, minutes long, so. It, well, yeah, exactly. And ha- so how are they... It's like even just bringing back one companion, you want room for them to breathe. It's like, you know, you 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 can take different different approaches to to bringing companions back. There's the school reunion approach, which is where you have a fairly minimal story so that most of the episode can be focused on the reunion itself and the dynamics that creates between the doctor and his new regular companion. Or you can do the stolen earth journey then thing of just bringing in all of these different elements and all of these different companions to tell a kind of really big bang story where you know uh, you can argue about whether that was (laughs) successful in that case but to me one thing that is clear in that is even though it had another appearance by sarah jane in it that wasn't her first appearance in decades all of the characters that we saw in that kind of big you know big gathering all of them had already had introductions of their own and so it wasn't like we had to deal with the doctor seeing them for the first time in decades and decades and more importantly it wasn't like we had to introduce them to the modern audience because we're gonna it's got to be a story that makes sense to people who don't know ace who don't know tegan 
I'm just going to throw this out here and say that we have just watched a show where they introduced a, a major historical character and then completely basically nerfed them and used them for no good purpose whatsoever. And I think that's what's going to happen to Ace and Tegan. Well, it's it's possible because it, I mean the doctor can it, just it, rattle on. This was my companion back when I had blonde hair, and I was and then that's it, and then they'll that'll be done. Well, yeah, I mean, in this case, though, it'll still mean something to us. But yeah, I think I think I think that will be that will be problematic. I think if you're if you're going to bring these elements back, you've got to you you've got to make it as much a show for the new audience who, or, and even the casual audience who are just tuning in because it's saturday night as you are making it for the diehard whovians who've been watching the show since at least the 1980s the other aspect of all of this is it's got so much else to do because you've got to tie up the timeless child stuff and the flux stuff and i well there are there are two 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 things one of which you got right and one of which i got right you said the vindram bell storyline isn't over well okay you got that one right I I didn't see. Were they in that, that trailer? I think Vinda was. Yeah. I I didn't notice, but okay. So so you know perhaps you will find out about that baby. I said I definitely think there is something going on with that unit story in Flux that yeah left unanswered questions and that needs to be tied tied up. We saw Kate Stewart, so I thought we saw I, Kate Stewart. Yeah. I think that is going to be addressed, whether to my satisfaction or not. That's a totally different issue, but um, it, it, it's going to have unit. And the Great Serpent will be back. Perhaps, perhaps. I mean... And the dog do. You know, it needs and to the, be about the... three hours long already. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess we can have some time to, between now and, what, November? And... uh mm-hmm. Anything else on either the episode or the trailer? No, well, the trailer was, I don't know, 30 seconds long and bam, we've, uh, yeah, we've certainly had a lot to chew on from that. But no, nothing further. All right. Well, in that case, Simon, thank you for joining me. It's a pleasure, as always. <laughs> Listeners, I hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. We hope you've enjoyed listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. There are over 500 previous episodes available at FusionPatrol.com. Come join the conversation on Twitter, our website, or Facebook. Find out how you can become a supporter at Patreon.com slash Fusion Patrol. Supporters get early access to all regular episodes, bonus episodes, and more. There's even an optional podcast series where we're looking at the classic TV series, Babylon 5. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf. This has been a Lone Locust production.